0: Welcome to Tax Breaks, the Moody's Tax Podcast, where you find informed discussion, lively debate, and sometimes a little light-hearted fun around tax issues in Canada, the United States, and around the world. Good day. My name is Kim Moody. I'm the CEO of Moody's Tax and a director of Canadian Tax Advisory uh, for the firm. I'm here with my colleague, Kenneth Kung. Hi, Kim. Hi, everyone. Kenneth is uh, director of... Canadian tax advisory for Moody's tax as well, and one of the smartest guys around. And so today, we thought that we would do part two of principal residence uh, exemption changes. And we've had a lot of feedback, Kenneth, on our on our blog that we did roughly a week ago. Today is uh, what is today, September eighth, and and we did that you know that podcast roughly a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And
1: yep.
0: man, we've got lots of feedback on that. It was pretty good. People have. Pretty passionate about the topic. It's a sacred cow of Canadian tax policy. So, you know, some of the feedback that we received will be kind of the impetus of, of today's uh, of today's podcast. So we'll talk about, you know, if Canada was going to make some changes, you know, should it be retroactive? Should it be prospective? You know, we'll talk about, um, you know, should Canada do some interest deductions like uh, like it does in the States for principal residences? You know, we'll talk about a home equity tax. What does a true, home, a true home equity tax look like? And then we'll throw in some other stuff that, you know, that we've uh, that we've considered. Like, what should we be doing now? What What should Canadians consider? So, uh, so with that, Kenneth, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if Canada was going to make changes to the principal residence exemption, you know, should it be retroactive or should it be uh, perspective I mean as you and I both know most tax policy changes for fairness reasons are done on a prospective basis but could you see any compelling argument that the government would want to make to make you know changes to the principal residence exemption retroactive?
1: Um, not in a true sense of way like retroactive would be um, if I purchase a house in, in, in 1990 and I'm selling it now All of my gains are now
0: taxable. That
1: would be a, that would truly be retroactive. And I cannot see them doing that.
0: I can't either. And Mm -hmm. so maybe you won't spend a lot of time on that. I just can't see it. It would be fundamentally and foundationally unfair.
1: Yeah. But now, would it be fair for my house that was purchased in 1990 to have a valuation day event today so that my gain going forward on this old house becomes taxable going forward? That would be difficult to do, but
0: more fair. I I agree with you. And in that case, you know, one of the some of the feedback we got on the original blog was if your or podcast, I mean, was if there, you know, if Canada was to make changes, let's say on a prospective basis, like we're saying here, um, would we need valuations of our of mm-hmm. our homes?
1: Yeah. Well, and Canada had done this before, back in 1972, when you were still when you were practicing can-
0: <laughs> not get carried away goodness <laughs>
1: um, we canada introduced the capital gains tax which means everyone needs suddenly needs to have a cost base yeah for which gains are taxed afterwards in
0: our world that's called v day for yeah. valuation day
1: right mm-hmm. so we had done this before and hey it, it's a lot of it's going to be a lot of challenges getting a valuation for everyone's home but that data is out there um, people kind of do have a, an idea of how much their home is worth. Yeah. And the, the, the municipality do this every year. It's called property tax yeah. assessment.
0: Now query whether or not municipalities do a very good job of that. And mm-hmm. I would submit to you they probably don't. But having said that, you're absolutely right. Data is out there, right? Mm-hmm. So um,
1: the, the other type of change would be truly prospective would be um, for this new, whatever this new tax would be, uh, to only apply to home's purchase after the, um, the, the change of the rule. And that is possible, but I can't really see that. I, I, would, I, I can't either, Kenneth. Yeah. The,
0: the leap of logic on that one would seem a bit far, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't see that. And by the way, just to add to your example of 1972 when I was practicing as a four-year-old, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other recent example that comes to mind, which... I think you were born then was February 22nd 1994 you know when they eliminated they finally eliminated the 100,000 dollar capital gains deduction on all types of property they had previously eliminated it uh, for real estate but on on that date um, you know they introduced section 110.6 of 19 of the act to allow one time capital gains election mm-hmm. on other property, which did require valuation day and, mm-hmm. and valuation work and what have you. So, so I think it's not unheard of and not unrealistic to, to have that. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So now one other question we got, uh, was, you know, in the midst of all these changes, do you think Canada should change its policy to allow interest to be deductible, mm. which, which currently it's not, uh, on principal residences? like the United States, for example.
1: I think mortgage interest not being deductible has very good policy reasons. The Canadian tax regime is based on you can only deduct expenses that you incur generally to earn business or property income. When you buy your home, it is completely for personal use. So based on that logic, Uh, any expenses like mowing your lawn um, or or property tax or interest expense on purchasing your home should not be deductible. I think the U.S. made that decision to make mortgage interest deductible not because of a consistent tax policy but because they want to spur home ownership. Now, um, in Canada do we need to spur home ownership further maybe in some markets some not now what would be really interesting though is if we make if we make homes gains taxable so suddenly we're assuming everyone is buying a home to make money and therefore that's why we're taxing the gain then maybe there's a slightly better argument to make mortgage uh, mortgage interest deductible but still but still, um, even though the gain is taxable, you are still living in the home using it for personal use. So there's still a strong side of me that says mortgage interest should not be deductible. Yeah. What do you think? No,
0: I, I tend to agree with you, Kenneth. I, I think anything that's for personal use and not for the purpose of earning you know, income from a business or property, you'd have a hard time convincing me that that interest should be deductible. Um, and I mean, then you get into public policy debates as well. You know, you get some people that can't get debt, um, but people that can, and then they can deduct interest. Whereas the people that can't and are forced to rent, you know, so you get into all those other issues and stuff that's beyond our pay grade, frankly, Mm -hmm. uh, that, so I, you know, the easier side in, in my view, uh, would be to to continue to make interest non-deductible for anything where there's a personal use benefit to it. And I think, you know, then then it's the devil you know, and, and I think it's because that policy's been around forever. And uh, I just think it does make compelling public policy sense in my mm-hmm. view. So so you know before we get into you know talking about some other issues like the home equity tax, which we did have a fair amount of questions on that and comments. You know, we did have some people talk about, you know, you know, should what, what would an amended principal residence exemption look like? Should it be a fixed amount or a certain amount of years? And and we did talk about that in our blog or sorry, and podcast. So I don't think I want to spend a lot of time on that. Um, but maybe let's just expand a little bit more from our original podcast on should people do something today, like if they anticipate changes uh, coming up here on the principal residence ex- exemption, you know, should they be transferring that property to somebody triggering a gain? Now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, we did talk briefly, uh, I believe, or certainly I, I wrote about it in the companion blog that I wrote that I've seen some people, you know, some planners suggest that transferring property to a corporation, transferring a principal residence to a corporation is a good idea to trigger the gain. Well, that's a horrible idea for a whole variety of reasons, not the least of which is subsection fifteen one benefits, uh, but you know, should people rush out and sell their property today mm. uh, or replace it with a newer one? What do you think, Kenneth?
1: I think generally not, unless you are in a camp that think that they're going to retroactively tax your gains historically, uh, then you shouldn't need to because if they're going to start taxing it, they're going to do it prospectively for future gains. Uh, so perhaps there is, if you model the gains out based on your projected appreciation, uh, maybe there is a small difference if, about triggering gain now versus letting the rules apply. Just like how you do this, uh, Kim, as you know, when we, uh, sometimes we make a decision whether to trigger a gain based on future appreciation because of how the, the formula works. Right. So may, maybe there's something to that. But in general, I don't think we really need to do something now to say, sell your home now to 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 make sure you get an exemption now. I think that would
0: be too drastic. I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with at least modeling and looking at whether or not you should trigger a gain without having, because there's there are numerous ways you could trigger mm-hmm. a gain without having to sell the property. And, um, you know, for example, I think this is what you're alluding to. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kenneth. But if we think, for example, the capital gains inclusion rate is going up, you know, does it make some sense if you've got multiple principal residence exemptions to lock in, you know, principal residence exemption on one property mm-hmm. versus the other? Maybe you'd have to run the math uh, to prove it. But uh, other than that, I'd say probably not. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. and Let's go to a home equity tax. You know, we talked a bit about that in, in, in our original podcast, you know, I find some of the authors out there are very misinformed uh, on what, um, you know, they call it a home equity tax. When really, when you actually look at what some of the authors are writing, really all they're advocating for is a revision to the unlimited principal residence exemption, which, as we've talked about, there may be a good uh, a good argument for that. And, and so, um, but... What do we, where do where do our brains go? And where does the average public, I think, go when they hear the phrase home equity tax?
1: That would be a tax on your home equity. So let's say my home is worth $500,000 and I owe the bank $300,000. Then my home equity is $200,000. So it sounds like the government wants me, wants to, pay, wants me to pay tax based on that
0: $200,000. Right, which the similar... Uh, comparison to that would be, for example, British Columbia introduced a so-called speculation tax, uh, which is a tax on the fair market value of property that is vacant in certain municipalities, like Vancouver and Kelowna, as an example. And every year, you're required to pay, what is the percent now, 2%, if I recall? Yeah, like an
1: add-on to the property tax.
0: Yeah. yeah, which is very, very punitive uh, if you fall into that. And so same thing with this. I mean, whatever you're... Increasing equity is assuming you're paying down your margin, assuming that the property is static in value and not dropping Then I guess you would end up paying You know uh, a home equity tax now is there a compelling? public policy reason to advocate for such a change like Granted you and I are not economists Mm -hmm. and we're not income inequality experts and but what, what, What do you think Kenneth? uh I think there's way, but a lot better ways to,
1: to tax equity than, than tying it to home equity. Um, one, if if it if, if they really apply a tax like that, that, there's a strong incentive for, for people to not pay down their mortgage and to keep refinancing their home to max out any debts associated with the home. I can't think of why that would be a good policy reason or a good reason for this society in general.
0: So in other words, it would it would encourage increased debt load, household debt load?
1: Yeah, you, you you never want any home equity. So every time you pay down, a, well, one, you, you're going to want to not pay any principal on your mortgage. And two, if you do, you're going to, you want to get another, a second mortgage to uh, immediately eat up that equity. And then you got a lot of extra cash to spend and, and you don't have to pay home equity tax.
0: Yeah, I, Again, I tend to agree with you. I, I just can't see under any good argument. Granted, we're not economists. I'll say that again, but that, that just seems to me to be littered with problems. Yeah, right? and,
1: and it would be so easy to manipulate. I can, for example, say I have a separate loan right now, not associated with my home, and then I just walk to the bank and say, hey, can you attach this loan to my home as well so I can claim it against my home equity? Uh,
0: that's just too easy to manipulate. Yeah, Uh, which, which, you know, an easy comparison to that would be, you know, there's no shortage of articles right now and so-called think tanks, especially on the radical left, that are advocating, uh, you know, a wealth tax, same kind of idea. What can people do? What would people do in order to reduce their exposure to a wealth tax? Um, Well, they're going to try and reduce their wealth. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I hear you, but it's just home equity is a lot more easy to manipulate totally than, than wealth.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And,
1: and wealth, yeah, it's, it's harder for especially if they put in a gift tax as so, um, to uh,
0: go along with a wealth right. tax. Yep, and let's not open that Pandora <sighs> box. I shouldn't have done that. But <laughs> but having said that, I, I do agree with you. So, what is there a better way, Kenneth? You know, is is there a better way than a straight out home equity tax?
1: Well, if they if they if the direction really is to go um, tax people on their homes um based on home value then rather than rather than basing it on home equity then they should base it on the home value gross value of the home i think um kind of like property municipal property tax but make a federal property tax not not that we are advocating for it it's just it the the system is already out there for municipal property tax but if you do it that way there's a lot of problem first um to be fair you kind of need to have a federally regulated, uh, consistent way to value homes across the country. Uh, Yes, there's municipal property assessment, but as Kim, you said, there's problems, right? Some, a lot of people don't agree with how municipality uh, value their homes. If you couple that with, you know, some uh, doing that across the country, um, someone in, in this city will say, hey, That's not fair, my city tends to overvalue my homes whereas the city next door undervalue their home. So that's one one issue I see with a federal property tax. Another way to do it, I guess, is to simply add a percentage onto municipal property tax. Um, That is also fraught with issues too because some cities charge more property tax, not necessarily because the homes are worth more, it's just because that city needs more money, uh, that city needs to balance its budget. So if the federal property tax simply tack a percentage onto municipal property tax, that again would not be fair across the country.
0: Right, now one thing that, uh, that that we talked about behind the scenes was right now there's an exemption for HST and GST purposes for used residential housing. And I can loosely understand the policy reason for that, right? you want to encourage home ownership, um, at that level. Uh, so, and transactions at that level. So what about changing that policy where where you would charge GST and HST? How, how would that fit into an overall objective of taxing, you know, principal residences? I guess it would certainly increase the tax load, but mm-hmm. what's the fallout from that?
1: Well, it, I think it makes it, that makes sense too, because again, if the objective is to tax people who buy bigger homes, then an HST on their home purchase will achieve that result. The the, uh, the more valuable the property you're buying, uh, the more HST or GST you will pay. And we already got very good HST and GST rules, so we don't have to reinvent anything other than removing that current exemption for used residential properties. So really easy to apply uh economic, again not not an economist, but it may put a damper on on uh transactions with real estate on on residential real estate uh may, but maybe that's not such a bad thing for some markets. I know i know here in calgary i want Ooh. we want our property value to go up because it 's been down for a little while but but for people in Toronto and Vancouver, I know there's a lot of people saying this the market is way too hot there. So, putting a trans, another transaction tax on on a on a sale transaction maybe not be that bad a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe again, we're not economists, like you said, and I've said a few times already. But, but all things to at least consider. I mean, if the objective is to look at the taxation of principal residences and and how they're currently treated, and do we, you know, is it too generous? Do we need some policy changes? I think it's fair to talk about this stuff. Um, but, you know, Kenneth, I think. Maybe to conclude on this topic, um, you know, is, is there some changes that are needed? Yeah, probably. I think there's a compelling argument that, that the principal residence exemption is, is way too generous. I think politically it's going to be difficult for anybody to do it, any, any governing party, party to do it. My submission, curious to see what you think, is that all these types of changes, especially with sacred cows, should be done in the context of a comprehensive review and mm-hmm. comprehensive reform, and and the purpose of today is just to dive a little bit more into possible changes, things that could be done. But I think the caveat is number one, we're not economists, and number two, it should be done in in the context of an overall review, uh, yeah, and contextual review as well. So,
1: no, uh, no, no question. And if they do do something, they if they do do something with homes, they, they have to take into account that some cities have more expensive home than others um, if for example if they're changing a lifetime like the, the, I mean the principal residence exemption um, and say limit capping it to half a million dollars, uh, that may be a, that may be a good number for a place like say Calgary but maybe they need a different number for Vancouver and Toronto right um, and maybe it's not a um, maybe what they do is you, you mentioned a uh, 1994 exemption in the past. Maybe yeah. they allow people to, uh, um, for in, say in Calgary, add $500,000 to the cost base of the home today. And someone in Vancouver to add a $1 million to the cost base to the home today, just like in how, how the 1994 exemption kind
0: of worked when, right. when they, when they changed. You've got to remember, system. though, one of the objectives of a good tax system is fairness and simplicity mm-hmm. and easy to administer, right? So, so those would be one of the things that you got to think about too, because if you have separate rules for separate municipalities, you're just adding complexity. Now, having said that, are there examples of that in, in the income tax regulations and the act? Sure, you know, the northern zone stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The, where northern deduction and uh, things like that do exist. But again, we'd have, you, if I was part of a panel looking at this, I'd be resistant and loathe to go down that path um, just because it's complex now, yeah. and you would have to change year to year and analyze mm-hmm. year to year, right? Yeah, so something at, to think about.
1: Yeah, and um, over the weekend, uh, um, the budgetary the budgetary office actually said that the Canada's deficit is not sustainable.
0: Uh, I saw that, yeah. yeah and I, so, and I, and I and I put it on my LinkedIn account.
1: Yeah, um, so Which Canada has to do something. Like, and and taxing home is one of the low hanging fruits that a lot of people may be okay with at this point. And it brings in huge revenue for the government.
0: Yeah. So it, it's it's a sacred cow that may not be sacred much longer. And, and certainly should they look at it? I, I think they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks again, Kenneth, for this. It's an interesting topic. And I don't think we've seen the end of it. So, no. mm-hmm. um, so with that, uh, thanks very much. And we look forward to your feedback. All the best. Bye-bye.